0: Welcome to the Tactical Toolbelt Climate Tech Podcast. On this show, we focus on how the real estate industry, the world's single largest emitter of greenhouse gases, can leverage climate tech to become part of the sustainability solution. I'm your host, Greg Smithies. I'm a partner on the Climate Tech team at Fifth Wall, the largest and most active venture investor in technology for the real estate industry. In this podcast, we'll be joined by people on the front lines the people inventing, investing in, and deploying the climate tech will need to make our homes, offices, and communities more efficient, more sustainable, and ever closer to carbon zero. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tactical Toolbelt Climate Tech. And today we have a little bit of a different um, interview. It's with two folks, Aaron Lapsley and Christian Weeks. Uh, Aaron is with System2 Consulting, and Christian we've actually had as a, as a guest on the podcast before. He's the uh, CEO of Inverid. Um, so thanks for uh, joining us today, guys. Uh, thanks for the time. Thank you.
1: Glad to be here.
0: Yep. So uh, maybe before we jump into what we're going to be talking about, which I think is a highly topical um, uh, topic, Uh, It's topics all the way down here, um, which is a new organization known as Aspire, which stands for the Alliance for Sustainable and Practical Indoor Air Quality. Before we hop into that, um, maybe it would be good to uh, just give a little bit of each of your backgrounds so people kind of know who you are. Let's maybe uh, start with you, Christian.
1: Sure. I'm Christian Weeks. It's great to see you again. Thanks for having us on, Greg. Uh, As you said, I'm the CEO of Inverid Systems. We're a Massachusetts-based company is a leader, leading provider of sustainable indoor air quality solutions. Specifically, we've developed an air cleaning technology for commercial building applications. uh, And I think we'll see the relevance here as we get into the topic. So I'll turn it over to Aaron.
2: Yeah, hi, Aaron Lapsley, longtime participant in real estate uh, technology. Uh, I'm an engineer and a consultant. Uh, Most recently have founded uh, System 2 Consulting, which is about a year old. After leaving Cushman Wakefield, where I co-created and, and led the digital buildings practice uh, for the, the technology group uh, at Cushman, uh, spent some time in venture-backed prop tech companies and have worked uh, uh, developing and deploying smart building programs for uh, about 10 years. Yep. Got it. I think that's that's
0: fantastic background. Both of you are kind of uh, OGs in the space when it comes to real estate, prop tech, uh, and more importantly, air. Um so, first question, actually, which I'm going to go a little bit off piece here, ASPIRE. Is this an acronym or a backronym? Did you come up with it? Which way did, did you guys come up with it?
2: Well, it, it certainly is um, uh, fitting, uh, you know. But, uh, look, we um, it, it is an acronym. It's the Alliance for Sustainable and Practical Indo- uh, Indoor Air Quality and Real Estate. So, it's an acronym within an acronym. We, we took the I to be IAQ, um, which is fitting.
0: Yep, got it. Okay. Well, um, all jokes aside, let's maybe dig into it. So so what actually is Aspire? Where did it come from? Give us some of sort of the history here and why something like this needs to exist.
2: Yeah, I'll jump on that one. So Aspire is a, a, is a marketing alliance right now. It's essentially a, a built for advocacy and education related to indoor air quality. And we're focused on kind of three information sets that we think are often lacking out in the industry. So there's a lot of foundational knowledge gaps around IAQ. We've, we've all worked with a lot of customers, our, our founding members, um, that are just now kind of getting up to speed around the topic of IAQ. And there's not a, a ton out there to help with that. Um, there's also a, sort of gaps around best practices for how to improve indoor air quality in meaningful ways and what metrics to look for. And then there are data gaps. So significant gaps, you know, versus say a, a very close analog energy management where you know sort of what kinds of data you need to acquire and what you need to do with them are fairly well established concepts at this point. That's just a nascent topic for IAQ, uh, and so we're focused around that. We're, we're essentially focused around a data-driven and sustainability-focused uh, approach for IAQ, sort of not ignoring the trade-off between indoor air quality and energy, carbon, but tackling it it head-on. Um, so we formed in uh, June. Uh, as a uh, five membership organizations in uh, my firm system two and three other groups, uh, safe traces. That's an IQ testing uh, solution for health and safety uh, aware, which is a, a an IQ monitor company, uh, you know, vertically integrated IOT platform uh, and clockworks analytics that's a fault detection and diagnostic solution also based in the Boston area that has done uh, a lot of work um uh, kind of refactoring the way that they look at their analytics during the pandemic to uh, focus and bring to the front iaq results and so we came together largely i had networked with most of the members christian actually being the last um, in the role i had at cushman and wakefield where we were evaluating an enormous amount of iaq technology among other categories but that's sort of one of the roles i served at cw was the sort of intake point for a lot of prop tech and IAQ, be, understandably, became a very high-profile topic. And um, as I went out and, and started working uh, you know, on my own firm and, and rekindled some of these relationships with what I consider to be the leading providers, in many cases, there was some objective analysis behind that that we did for CW. Um, we started to understand that we were talking to some of the same industry stakeholders, mostly potential customers, often, and, and were encountering many of the same Confusion, objections—you know, basically points of clarity in the industry, opportunities for for clarity—and uh, decided that really all of our organizations were serving one piece of the puzzle, but no one did everything uh, comprehensively. There was no way for any one company to be doing that, particularly not at startup size. And so we decided to pull together. To come up with a more comprehensive, practical, and as the name mentioned, sustainability-focused approach to IAQ that was really focused on the needs of, of commercial and corporate real estate and institutional buildings.
0: Yep. So I think that's fantastic background and clearly clearly talks to why we need something like this. And and maybe I'll just give a little little bit of an aside here because you you specifically said indoor air quality and sustainability. And typically you do not see these two things together because typically it's a trade-off, which is the cleaner your air in inside means you're doing more air changes, means you're pumping more air, you're cooling more air and typically it's bad for the environment. Right. So actually trying to bring these two things together is, is pretty groundbreaking work. So maybe Christian, uh, Dig in here, Why is now the time? Why is indoor air quality so important and this uh, bringing together with uh, with uh, sustainability sort of at this moment in time? What are the macro trends here?
1: Yeah, well, I think you you just sort of highlighted it, um, but I'll maybe expand on that and try to be a little more explicit. In, in our view, and I think Aaron and the whole group shares this view, there are at the moment three macro trends that are creating in a way a perfect storm for the building industry and Aspire is trying to help address those in a sort of comprehensive holistic way. The first of these macro trends of course is is the impact COVID-19 is having on on the markets on the building on on buildings and you know as you have alluded to it's generated a great deal of new interest in this whole topic of indoor air quality in a way that we've never seen before. So COVID-19 the pandemic is driving this trend around indoor air quality at the same time uh, the climate crisis is front and center. And, you know, for decades, we've had cities, we've had states, you know, working on climate change. Now the federal government is putting its muscle behind climate change as well. So, you know, if you read the headlines, you know, maybe IAQ is first one day, but climate crisis is probably first the next day, or maybe in the next day it might be, you know, inverted again. So those are two of the three. The final, you know, major trend we're, we're all talking about now, of course, is is the impact of wildfires and other forms of air pollution that is being brought to the fore by studies by the American Lung Association recently, by the WHO's new report a couple of weeks ago, basically saying that even what we considered before sort of relatively okay levels of pollution are not okay, right? Any level of pollution, particulate matter in the air, uh, is a health concern and a major issue. So we've got these three things happening together. We've got COVID and this greater interest in air quality. We've got the climate crisis. And as you said, those two, better indoor air quality and energy efficiency, have often been at loggerheads with each other. But you've also got this issue now where outside air isn't always fresh. So our view, as we started talking with each other, Aaron and I and the other companies, we all sort of realized we're all delivering a part of that solution and talking in similar ways about how we need to address this holistically. And said, well, let's work together to actually make the message more coherent and bring it to market as more of a unified voice. So the timing, I think, is right. And the industry is needs help sorting out these sort of trends and how to address them in a practical and sustainable way, as, as Aaron said.
0: Yeah, and, and I think actually that third leg of the stool here, sort of the, the pollution and the quality of the outdoor air is really interesting because the more science that we have on this particulate matter, PM 2.5 stuff, it just appears that it is bad for everything in your life, even down to, you know, you, you I've seen studies where um, children growing up in a house with a gas stove versus an electric stove, even that small amount of PM 2.5 inside their house is increasing things like asthma rates. Um, and then it actually has massive long-term uh, effects, right? Heart disease, dementia, all of these things, which we've never actually really thought of them as being an air quality issue, but, but it turns out that they're massive air quality issue um, issue health problems. So, um, okay, let's, let's maybe dig in a little bit. You do have the word practical in this, um, uh, in this acronym, so uh, what would you uh, consider to be kind of best practices here in terms of uh, things that people can do?
2: Yeah, g- great question. So I, our kind of core foundational philosophy uh, is based on what we think are the five main objectives that building owners, operators, occupants want to achieve. Um, The first is uh, they want to be able to monitor and improve indoor air quality and and ventilation systems that affect it. Um, The second is they want to measure and reduce pathogen transmission risk and and, and illness risk and, and generate better health outcomes. And these two things are very related, but they're not the same. And they have different technologies. Uh, that you need to monitor environmental variables versus do health and safety testing which heretofore wasn't really all of that possible it's one of the reasons safe traces is a part of our founding member group because they they have a key foundational technology that's starting to enable that to happen uh, the third objective is to reduce energy costs and carbon emissions we we can't look past that we have to address that trade-off head on and at a fun foundational physics level Greg, you're right, there are trade-offs. You can't get away from that. I mean, I'm an HVAC engineer by by trade. Um, uh, I'm licensed in three states. Like it, it, it is important that we maintain, in fact, go way farther than we are on building zero energy buildings. That has to be front of mind. At the same time, we have to improve uh, indoor air uh, outcomes as well, right? We have to do both things, right? So that's just address it head on. Uh, the fourth objective is clearly CRE participants want to demonstrate success in leadership through certification. There's a lot of options for that now, but there are some that are performance-based and particularly focused on indoor air quality that we think are um, an important part of the equation. Uh, and then last, but maybe most important, is uh, participants want to direct their investment dollars to the highest value opportunities and solutions. And that has been maybe the hardest thing to do over the last eighteen months. When you boil it down, there's not that many things a facility manager or or asset manager can do to improve indoor air quality in a building. I did a post on LinkedIn about this a couple of weeks ago from my System Two account where I've, I've done kind of worked out a spider diagram in Miro on this, and there's like thirty five things basically you can do. You can add stuff, you can find broken stuff, you can augment your existing HVAC, you can limit occupancy, uh, you can change the layout of spaces. Those are basically the five categories, and you go out from there. But deciding which things to do is very, very hard in an information-poor environment. And that's where we've all been living, right? I mean, uh, uh, individuals as occupants, uh, as well as very sophisticated facility management organizations. So those, those sort of five things in no particular order are what we have set out to solve. And if you look at actually how to do that, there's sort of a raft of solutions you need to do that, that really kind of start to form the core of the founding members of Aspire. You, you need IAQ monitors. You need fault detection and diagnostics for your HVAC. You need airborne health and safety risk testing. Um, you need air cleaners and local filtration and well-configured building automation. You need access to high-quality, standardized data with performance-based certification, and then you need uh, capex deci- decision support. You know, you need to be able to turn that information into to actionable decision making.
0: Yeah. So you just listed a whole lot of things, and I understand, right? Like the you know, 35 overall things that can be impacted, but. I, uh, you know, I'll put on my, my commercial landlord sort of hat here for a second. You just said a lot of things that sound expensive, right? So my question here would be, you know, as the building owner, as the building operator, why should I be doing these things? Like can this drive higher rents? Can this um, lower my um, my vacancy rates? You know uh, ultimately, what is the sort of the payback here or, or the way, best way that I should think think about this as a, as a business decision, right? Is this an investment? Is it a cost cutting cutting exercise? Um, is it all of the above?
2: I think the best answer for that will come from Christian and, w- and what they've experienced with selling their their product and through CRE.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to take a stab at it. I think that the market has evolved. I think initially a lot of the focus was, you know, certainly with energy efficiency, it was on that two or three year payback. Maybe you could stretch it out and get people to sign off on a a four year payback, but it was very sort of financially driven. Um, I think with COVID that's evolved, right? With COVID and with everybody working remotely now, I think the number one concern for commercial real estate is how do we get people back? And with with the new normal being much more of a hybrid model in terms of people using office space, uh, it's also not only how do I get people back, but how do I sell leases? How do I make sure that I've I've got you know full occupancy in terms of you know my my spaces being leased out? And so it's less you know there had, there is less of a focus on that you know that immediate payback. Uh, and it's much more, I think, about how do I create a space that is differentiated from the vacant space across the street or up the, you know, or up the street. Uh, and that's become much more about health and safety, I think, due to COVID. So it's, I think, that's where the market is. And again, the question is, how can we help the market sort through all these different decisions and options that are out there to come up with these practical and sustainable solutions? So. You know where Enverd is focused. If we think about the framework that Aaron just laid out for for Aspire, is really around how do we help people achieve, you know, good indoor air quality, and do it energy efficiently. Uh, and I can get in. You know, I can maybe maybe I'll just dive into a little more, and then Aaron can 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 respond and expand from there. But you know, somewhat ironically, perhaps I think what actually COVID has highlighted is that bringing in lots of outside air, while helpful from an indoor air quality standpoint, is actually very energy intensive. And when ASHRAE back in the spring of 2020 released their initial guidance for COVID, it was primarily, you know, increase outside air as much as you can, reduce recirculated air. And very quickly, the response from the market was either my systems can't handle that much outside air or that's really expensive and I'm now up against the wall on all my sustainability goals. Right. And so what, what, what Ashray then had to do is go back and do some of the, you know, do some research and figure out, okay, how can we help people more practically, let's say, to, to go back to Aspire, uh, address this issue on health and safety. And as it turns out now, you know, a lot of research that Ashray has surfaced and has been, been making available highlights that we can actually take a layered approach where we're combining air cleaning and filtration technologies with outside air ventilation to more efficiently, achieve healthy and safe indoor air quality, but without the same impact on cost and and those sustainability metrics. Um, and, And it's all based on this new concept that's emerged from COVID, which is the concept of equivalent air changes or effective air changes, not just outside air changes. So that's a great example, I think, of a practical and sustainable way to achieve good indoor air quality and what I hope will become part of our new normal. As we think about how do we deliver healthy, safe spaces, how do we market our spaces as great, healthy places to work, but also you know keeping an eye on sustainability and those energy and and the cost to run these buildings. Yeah, and, and maybe
0: just for our listeners who might, who might not be familiar, this concept of of equivalent air changes, right? Typically, to code will say, and I'll make this up, right? But for a certain type of area, you want you know ten air changes per hour, you know whatever it happens to be, but that is typically in code meant. 10 changes of air from the outside. But if you're doing an incredible job filtering that and cleansing it and all of those things, and it turns out that your filtered air is actually better than the outside air, um, what these codes are changing to and what certifications like this uh, take into account is the fact that actually inside air changes that have been cleansed properly do count towards that uh, air changes concept, but are way more efficient because you don't have to bring in that outside air and heat it or cool it, right? yeah, so let's let's also maybe uh, make this a little bit more um, visceral for for the audience. So, do you have any examples of, of maybe a project that that the Aspire Group has come together on um, and worked together on, and, and just sort of walk us through what a project here looks like?
2: Yeah, we're working on one now. Um, so I I have a client, and it's actually also they're also a customer of a, a couple of the other uh, members of the group. Um, that uh, is a private equity company, typical value add type strategy, large large office mostly or mid sized to large office, uh, clustered in the mid-Atlantic. Um, so we're working on a building in Virginia right now where I was performing a basis of design and we, we based a lot of the ventilation upgrades, which were going to be required by code anyway, um, to improve indoor air quality performance in addition to them needing to comply with you know, significant changes in energy code locally that require a, a very hefty energy star score improvement from where this building that's about 50 years old um, and hasn't had a major recapitalization on any of the real hard services like HVAC um, in 50 years. Basically, there's been some, some minor upgrades. So um, it's a really good example of bringing uh, the solutions together. Um, you could actually substitute in many cases, you know, different products from who's in the alliance although I certainly believe that the the product side of of what we have in the alliance are best-in-class solutions but the approach is the same nonetheless and really it's to try I guess Greg the way I would frame it it gets back to ROI is well, what is the ROI of energy management the ROI of energy management has been generally pretty positive people know they need to do it I would treat indoor air quality in fact I would use the same people in many cases to do an indoor air quality program you're looking at the same systems. If you're an energy manager in a building, you're looking at HVAC. That's still 50 to 60% of the load in most buildings uh, in the US. And so it's the same with indoor air quality. What's affecting it more than anything else? Well, it's your choices in operation of HVAC primarily. Um, so, um, you know, the, the approach is really to sort of treat IAQ in the same way and to adopt a, a stage framework of testing, monitoring, gathering data Improving, verifying, and then in some cases certifying. You may be looking at different certifications or incorporating, you know, things like LEED Arc that are the performance-based certifications uh, for for existing programs like LEED that everyone's familiar with. But the key is that you need to do that uh, in kind of the three tranches of data that we talked about earlier. You need the health and safety data to understand your systems. You need to understand your environmental baseline with IAQ monitors, and you you for both energy and Uh, IAQ purposes really ought to be doing fault detection and diagnostics on your building automation uh, to determine where things are not working properly. So we've designed all of that in for this building. It's going to be going into construction pretty soon. But as some examples of what is being done, um, uh, invariance technology has been uh, uh, included in the basis of design to reduce the required Minimum outside air loads, which gets you a nice energy and sustainability bump while improving IAQ. Uh, reset, or aware monitors have been included, may ultimately result in reset certification. Um, uh, and the nice thing is their monitors can be tied into the building automation system directly. So there's actually cost synergies there with what you would normally be doing. Um, and uh, this client already uses clockwork analytics for a number of buildings uh, for a central ops center. And this building is gonna be set up to fold right into that program. once the new system set up and commissioned. Upon completion, we can do the health and safety testing to verify the outcomes of safe traces. At the end of the day, this program in this building resulted in probably a net capital cost savings based on the way that it was built. We're able to downsize some equipment uh, and then put in play, use some of that money to put in place proper operational technology to take this building into the high performance realm for energy and IAQ going forward.
0: Yeah, and I, I think let's let's just uh, double underline that the the P for practical here is because you're taking in less outside air. Typically, you can downsize a lot of the things like your blowers and your chiller chiller plants, um, and these projects actually end up saving quite a bit of capex um, potentially. So. Um, that is a great overview here of Aspire, the Alliance for Sustainable and Practical Indoor Air Quality and Real Estate, um, the best uh, acronym I've heard so far in this space. Um, so where, where can folks uh, find out more if, uh, if they'd like to find out more, Christian?
1: Well, we've set up a website, so we'd welcome people to come find us at aspireiaq.com. So A-S-P-I-R-E-I-A-Q.com or certainly look up our companies. Aaron and I are both online. You can find us at Inverid.com or System2.com. So um, happy to to hear from folks who wanna learn more and engage with us around these best practices and help solve this conundrum around climate change, indoor air quality, how do we do it sustainably and practically.
0: Fantastic. Thanks for uh, both of your time. And uh, I'm sure a bunch of our listeners will be reaching out.
1: Thanks, Greg, really appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Greg. Thanks for listening to Fifth Wall's Tactical Toolbelt Climate Tech Podcast. For more on Fifth Wall and our efforts in climate
1: tech, visit our website at fifthwall.com.